fire is strong. I remain on. I remain Through on. Through the fire and stone, I remain on. Uh, trial by fire. Trial by fire. Just a trial by fire. Just a trial by Through the fire and storm, I remain on. Just a trial by fire. Welcome, one and all, to the Armchair Bookers Podcast. This is Joshua Joslin, as it always is, and I am here to talk about the results of Fastlane, WWE's premium live event, a.k.a. PLEs, um, uh, that took place this past Saturday. Uh, I, I did a predictions episode. Um, I don't want to compare, but uh, <laughs> in terms of what I predicted and what happened, I was not correct in my predictions. Not at all. <laughs> um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I um, am against the results, but I do have some things to say to the not so happy about certain results. Um, I want to say right off the bat that I think that it was a very good uh, PLE, you know, with a couple things not happening. Of course, the uh, the Universal title not uh, appearing or being used at all. Um, you know, certain, certain belts not being uh, defended. Um, the Intercontinental Championship I'm okay with because uh, they've been doing that on... Raw, and they've been doing such a great job with it that um, I, I get it. Uh, but the United States Championship, no reason to not have it defended. Um, I get having Rey Mysterio in a match is is one thing, but um, you know this was a multi-person uh, pay-per-view, pretty much all the matches. Um, so I'll get into that. I did talk about that aspect in the pre, uh, predictions episode, but I'll touch a, a little bit on some of the things that I did say in comparison to how things turned out. So, with that being said, let's hop in. Uh, I'm going to start with something that didn't really have anything to do with the pay-per-view, uh, you know, in terms of matches or and or storyline. Nothing other than just to show her face, and I'm okay with it. Jade... Cargill has arrived in WWE. All signs, <clears throat> all signs point to her going right to the uh, main roster. Being that her first appearance was getting out of lim- uh, out of a limousine during a, a premium live event, uh, a PLE, and walking to uh, to Triple H, who embraced her, welcomes her to WWE, and walks her into the event. That's all we got to see of Jade, but it is enough to say, hey. Um, we're not kidding when we say that the red carpet carpet is out for this young lady. Jade Cargill is destined for big things. Uh, hopefully she develops like she says that she plans on doing. By that I mean, you know, getting one, getting used to the WWE style, and two, furthering her in-ring abilities, because that's going to be very important um, with the athleticism of the women's division right now in WWE. It, she will stand out if... Um, she's not capable of hanging with the big name uh, superstars of the women's division. Um, because, uh, you know, we're used to the athletic matches from the women, so it's a big round of applause for them for us to be able to say, hey, you better get in there in the ring and, and do your business because that's what we want, that's what we expect, and that's what the women of WWE bring us when they get the opportunity week by week. Uh, with that being said, actually, um, WWE uh, um, gave a significant amount of time to women's wrestling, uh, specifically on NXT. 
um, last week, not this week coming up, the past week or so, uh, they, they voted, um, I forget the numbers, but, um, you know, look up, there's an article on uh, wrestlinginc.com. I'm sorry that I don't have the numbers, but it just kind of popped into my notes here. So I just wanted to give a shout out to WWE for shining a light on the women's talent, especially in the, uh, NXT. Um, all right, on to the actual card now that I've chewed your ear off. Um, match one, uh, I was actually surprised that it started with this. Um, just because of the way my predictions went, it did uh, depend on where this placement was. But match number one, the curtain jerker, uh, the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship, um, Finn Balor and Damian Priest representing Judgment Day. They are the title holders going up against the ragtag smashed together team of Jey Uso and Cody Rhodes. I said during my preview uh, predictions episode that while I like Cody and Jay teaming together, I don't love it because um, they're not a tag team. I get that they're trying to tell the story of, of forgiveness and, and things like that, but I'll get to it. My, my prediction was Judgment Day would retain due to some shenanigans from uh, you know J.D. McDonough, Dominic uh, Mysterio, Dirty Dom, or even Rhea Ripley, Mommy. Um, yes, there was interference. It was J.D. McDonough. However, it cost Judgment Day the titles. One, two, three. Cody Rhodes hits a crossroads, then joins in with Jey Uso in dropping the 1D. I love that 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 happened. I love it. Um, that is his move with his brother, twin brother, Jimmy. Clearly saying, it's, you know, I'm the one. You know, and uh, and doing it with Cody is, is a great smack. I loved it. They did go over and win the championship one, two, three. I do not love the result pretty much at all. Um, there's a million ways that they could have um, they could have gotten out with Judgment Day winning and keeping Jay and Cody strong. The reactions that these two got were just phenomenal. The hot tag getting to Cody was, you know, spectacular. It was just, these guys were rocking the building. And that's not to take away from Judgment Day, anything away from Judgment Day, who were over his heels. Um, this match was great. I loved so much about it. The action was terrific. The storytelling in the ring, some of the best in WWE. Uh, I think Finn Balor, his, his, you know, the best aspect of him is his ability to tell the story in the ring. Cody Rhodes, obviously, on top of his game. Jay Uso is on another level. Damian Priest was on another level. Everybody in this match, on another level. The fans treated it as such, and I loved it. Again, don't like the results, and this is why. Jay Uso has just been established as the one. The main event, Jay Uso, which means singular. He was part of a tag team his entire career. So now what's he going to do? He's going to split off on his own, stand on his own two feet, represent the main event as a tag team champion again, this time with Cody. So storyline purposes, let's go into the future a bit. How do they lose the belts? What's going to happen for them to lose the belts? When do they lose the belts? There's so much that goes into that that I think is going to take away from so many other things that they are going to be involved in. I don't think that the titles being around their waists makes any sense uh, for me in terms of how they've positioned these guys and how they've talked about it and, and the main event is, uh, 
expectation that they're going to be in. Now, this doesn't take away from the possibility of a, a Survivor Series involving a few people. I did mention it on the predictions episode. Um, no point really in going to listen to it, I guess, now, because I'm going to tell you uh, the results. <laughs> but So I'm going to hint. Yeah, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference that episode because I did say certain things were going to happen, and they did. But um, I, I just think that the better story was going to be with, with Judgment Day. Um, they did sell a few things after the match, namely Damian Priest's ankle being all jacked up and punished by, by the mayhem that ensued after JB, J.D. McDonough got involved. I'm going to put a pin in that because we are going to come back to uh, Damian Priest's ankle and why that plays an important factor, senior money in the bank. So you can probably get where I'm going. Uh, yeah. Michael Cole referenced Bullet Club, and not just that, mentioned Finn Balor being a former leader, Cody Rhodes being a former leader, while they were having a match in a WWE ring. Oh man, I marked out. I thought that was so cool. Things that are happening in pro wrestling right now, as, as sour as I am towards even AEW, holy cow, the things that are happening are just so cool. So hearing Bullet Club mentioned, which is still an active stable and active faction across several promotions uh they have two two represent two of them represented in impact chris bay and uh ace austin uh aw has juice robinson and finn uh nope not finn um juice robinson and jay white golden uh bullet club and then of course in new japan you have the whole list of gentlemen over that way so for them to be mentioned on WWE is during a big event is pretty cool to me. I, I, I was very, very excited about that. All right. So, like I said, I picked Judgment Day to win. They did not. I am 0 for 1. Next up, we had the LWO uh, versus Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. Um, Cruz del Toro and... Um, I always forget his name. Cruz del Toro... And Joaquin, Joaquin, I forget his last name. My apologies. Anyway, um, they were taken out, so it left uh, um, Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar going up against two against three. Lashley and the Street Profits, the Suit Profits, as I said, as I called them on the um, on the predictions episode. Um, they were going to uh, a handicap match really to to start. Um, there was a call made in to, to somebody. We didn't know who it was. Uh, Santos and Ray Mysterio had this exchange a little bit earlier in the show. What's going to happen? Back and forth action. Great action. Really fun because you, I, I, size difference and style difference. Bobby Lashley can hang with smaller wrestlers like no other big man can, in my opinion. Street Profits are so good at what they do. Angelo Dawkins slim down and can just move around the ring so well. Montez Ford is just an energy drink built human being. Um, I don't know what that even means, but you get it. He's hyper. Um, and you have uh, Rey Mysterio, one of the best in the world. The best in the world. Uh, you have Santos Escobar, who's just stellar. This match was, was great with the blend. I thought it was really, really fun. Of course, um, you know, handicap match. The heels, being Lashley and, and uh, the Profits, they start to get the upper hand, throwing a real good big old beating down on the LWO. Music hits. Out comes. Who's going to save them? Out comes 
Carlito Caribbean cool. He spits in the face of people who are not cool. Out he comes into the ring looking super duper. Thunderous ovation, which is great. Because I personally uh, missed a bit of the Ruthless Aggression era. I know that uh, that was a big run for, for Carlito. I know of his career. I've, I have not watched the entirety of it. So this was really neat to know that um, that people knew him. That they wanted to see him. That it was a big moment. He comes in, hits the backstabber on Montez Ford. And one, two, three, the baby faces win. Uh, the execution of the surprise was terrific. Um, I, I, you know, they could, they could have had him come out a little bit earlier, which would, which would have been pretty neat. I think him coming out the end and just hitting his moves. Well, you know, it was, it was great. It served exactly what it, what its purpose was. Um, I'm curious how Carlito steps into the storyline of the LWO because, um, he's known to be a heel. I think that at some point, LWO is going to have to split up a bit, especially for Santos Escobar's Joaquin Wild. Joaquin Wild. That's the other LWO member. My apologies, Joaquin. Um, Santos Escobar needs to be established as, as a singles wrestler. He deserves to be established as such. Um, but I also don't want to see LWO as a faction be in heels. Um, I think that's a shortcut. I don't think it's fair to the talent. Um, so hopefully they find a way to do that with Carlito in a way that doesn't turn them all heel. Uh, I just don't, I just, I don't want to see that. I want to see Santos as a face and see what he can do with a different level to a, to his character. Typically he's been a heel from, from my experience watching him through NXT specifically. So we'll, we'll see what brings, what comes of it. Oh yeah. I had, uh, um, LWO winning. No, I'm sorry. No, I had the Street Profits uh, and Bobby Lashley winning. And this is why I didn't like the result. I'm 0-2. So I'm a little bit bitter about it. But storyline purposes, okay? No easier way, again, for the faces to have an out where it doesn't hurt them than a situation where there's three heels that can jump in. Yes, three faces. That's neither here nor there. They could have extended Carlito coming in had him dumped out of the ring. I don't want to over. I don't want to. I don't want to book it. I don't. I don't think that that's. I don't love that. They could have had Carlito come in. Street Profits have to hop in somehow to help out. Uh, you know, Rey Mysterio and Santos are looking to, to make a move. Bobby Lashley sips on the backside, hits Santos with the spear. One, two, three. They go over strong. The heel faction go over strong for two reasons. One, they're brand dang new. They're brand new. They've kind of teased them not even, the Street Profits not even being up to the level that Bobby Lashley is looking for. He finally embraces them after they run in on LWO after Escobar and, and Mysterio's match for the U.S. title on SmackDown. They run in, throw him a beaten, get a big old hug from Bobby Lashley, who took out Joaquin Wilde. And, um, and now I'm going to forget the other gentleman's name. Look, the heels should have gone over in this match. They need to be established as monsters who are going to win. Otherwise, the Street Profits are doing exactly what they have always done in their career in WWE, which is throw on a phenomenal match with any opponent that they're in there with, but lose. What does that do for them as newfound heels? They couldn't find a way to, to win three against two. Obviously, Carlito had to come out, but there's a lot of things that could have happened for me in this match. I think the heels should have gone over. I really, really do. Um... 
I didn't know it was Carlito, by the way, until I saw him, like, come around the corner because <clears throat> of his new music. I, I really like the old music. I think they should have kept that if they want to change the music. Don't do it right off, you know, do it. Don't do it before we know it's him, <laughs> you know, do it. Do it on Raw, maybe, or something. But I really was hoping for that music. I had a feeling he was going to come out. I did read some some rumor reports, some dirt. Um but I did have that feeling, and I'm, I'm glad that it was him. Um, he got a crazy ovation in Puerto Rico. Um, and, he, you know, I heard that he was signed to WWE over the summer. They were just waiting for something to pop up for him creatively. That made sense. This made sense. He made the most of it. I thought it was great. Big ovation. Worth it. Um, like I said, I love all of that. I just thought that the heels should have gone over storyline-wise. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. Next up, we had the triple threat match for the women's WWE Women's Championship, the Raw side. I'm sorry, the SmackDown side. Asuka, def- uh, I'm sorry, Io Sky defending against Asuka and Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair my word. Um, triple threat, so there's no disqualifications. Big piece to any triple threat. Um... Before the match, Eosky told Bailey, "Stay back, Dakota Kai. Stay back. I can do this on my own. I don't want or need anybody's help." I'll tell you honestly, going into it, I was not, I was not into it. The match began, and this is not a knock on any three ladies. I just wasn't into the build to it. I don't think that it needed to be th- all three of these these uh, ladies. I think that it could have been two, and found a way to slide the third in in a different, you know, a different line, storyline or a different opportunity. Just my opinion on it. Um, it. The main reason for that feeling or opinion was because I didn't want to see EO lose the belt. A triple threat with a heel uh, champion and Asuka, who might be a face right now, might be a heel. They really switch her whatever, for whatever is needed. And Charlotte Flair right now playing the face. That bodes well for a heel champion. So I expected with with this triple threat that Charlotte would win. Um, the match picked itself up for me. Picked my, started to pique my interest. Started to really pick up in the action, and I started to to sit forward and and really make sure that uh, that I was watching every bit of what was going on. Three great storytellers in the ring. It has to happen, especially if I'm not interested in the match. Tell the story in the ring. Make me interested. And that's what happened. Asuka, and this is where I go back to the no disqualification aspect. Asuka almost immediately hit Charlotte with the with the mist in the eyes. It ended up not really causing much difference other than to establish, you know, uh, no hard holds bar and to take Charlotte out of it for a bit. Um, eventually, uh, um, damage control does make their presence known. Haley, uh, Haley Bailey comes out, distracts the ref. Um, but by doing that, the ref did not see Asuka tapping to, uh, Io Sky. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Excuse me. Tapping out to Flair's figure eight, which helped Sky. She launches herself out. Um, where is it? I'm sorry. I skipped where Bailey comes out, gets involved. All the way through helps the champ. That's what it is. Okay. Um, lately, Bailey has not been providing help to the champ, but rather um, uh, damage. She's cost the champ some some 
some opportunities, well, not opportunities, I guess, um, distracted the champ in ways that could have cost her matches and more. I'll say it that way. In this scenario, Bailey comes out, like I said, distracts the ref, keeps Asuka in the match, although she's tapping out to Flair's figure eight. Sky hits her perf- picture-perfect moonsault. It really is. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, on Charlotte, actually, and pins Charlotte, which I thought was terrific. Terrific. Um, the action uh, was was odd, I think, for me. Um, maybe it's because I wasn't overly enthused. Um, again, not because the women in the match. It just didn't feel like three of the best in the world were wrestling each other. It felt like three women who were making sure the spots were hit were wrestling each other. So it just didn't flow for me, which is what it is. Um, it, it's still... Um, it's still... It's still exciting for me, the outcome, again, because EO stays the champ. And this wasn't a... uh, It was a cheap way to to keep it, but it was over to establish stars. So it does, my feelings notwithstanding, it does keep her um, high on the card. High on the card, she's a champion. Keeps her champion and keeps her in that upper echelon of conversation as a legitimate champion because she beat two former champions. Um, I, I was impressed with, with that aspect. I do like the story, the story told in the ring. It, it, it pulled me in, which I appreciate. After that, we had the John Cena and L.A. Knight, yeah, versus Jimmy Uso. My, my L.A. Knight, yeah, sucks. My apologies, but I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, versus Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. This all stemmed from a bloodline attack on John Cena. He has business to settle. Um, the SmackDown leading into it, he's getting beat down. He didn't have a partner at the time. Getting beat down by the bloodline, not Roman Reigns. Out comes LA Knight, clears house with Cena, signs the contract, and that led into why we had this mishmash tag team against the established bloodline. I had John Cena and LA Knight going over. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, man. I have to go back to my prediction for the women's match. I had Charlotte going over. Um, can't blame me on that. That did not happen. So I'm O for whatever the card is, okay? Uh, John Cena in LA Knight versus Jimmy Uso and Solo Skoa. I picked right. I picked John Cena in LA Knight. Shocker of the night. Of course, I am being wildly sarcastic. Um, I don't know if I'm okay. I... The result had to happen, okay? It, it had to happen. One, it's John Cena, and he can't lose back-to-back pay-per-views. Let's not forget that he lost to Austin Theory uh, in WrestleMania at WrestleMania. LA Knight needs a win in a big situation with a big superstar. All of it made sense for them to go over, and of course, I have no problem with that. I don't love that they went over to Bloodline because it's the Bloodline, and Solo Sokoa is, is really being established as a monster, Um I do like the story that was being told early, which was um, it really felt like Jimmy was trying to establish that he could do things on his own, um, that he's fully committed to the bloodline because he's kind of out. Roman never really welcomed him back in after his shenanigans towards Roman when he super kicked him. Bloodline has layers. Um, But right now, Jimmy is half in, half out in, in the eyes of Roman. Solo's work given the, the facials, which is basically just a blank stare. But it works in every every piece of this story because they're working great with the camera, in my opinion. 
they'll show Jimmy doing something, saying something, and they'll get Solo at the perfect time where he's just selling the face of indifference and don't mess up. Like, you can do whatever you want. I'm watching you, and you screw up, and you're going to be held accountable, which is a beatdown. Um, I love the Solo character. This was all built, all built for L.A. Knight. John Cena took the the brunt by brunt. I mean, the, the, the whole first, I forget the timing of the match, but if it was 12 minutes, he took the first eight minutes just getting beat down by the bloodline. Um, punishment after punishment. John Cena never gives up, so of course he's pushing, he's pulling, he's trying to get over to L.A. Knight. LA Knight's reaching, can't get it, he's pulled back, he's pulled back, he's he's just double team, cheap shot, whatever it is, keeping John Cena from LA Knight, the fans are waiting, and waiting again, more excited as it gets closer, then, oh no, he didn't get there, then finally, finally, John Cena makes what is called in the business, the hot tag, to LA Knight, wow, goosebumps, he blew the roof, the reaction, he got blew the roof off the place, louder, significantly louder than when Cena came out. They popped for LA Knight louder than they popped for Cena. It was really fun to watch. I don't care what people's opinion on, on in terms of his character and who he borrowed from. Knock it off. Everything is borrowed. LA Knight's making it work, getting himself over, and the crowd loves it. So back up and enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. This gentleman earned it through his work Across his career in Impact when he was Eli Drake, in the NWA when he was uh, Eli Drake, when he was NXT, before all the, the chaos and mayhem with um, Hugh Morris, uh, you know, him coming back, older or not, establishing the character, riding through with this character, making it his, come on man, the guy deserves everything about this. Phenomenal, phenomenal. The match was exactly what needed it to be. Great selling from Paul Heyman. Updating uh, the Tribal Chief as to what was going on. Action from John Cena. Exactly what you want. Exactly what you expected. His bald spot. Dude, they had at one point, he, he got punched in the face and he was doing his, his wobbly knees with the fists up. Like, oh no, waiting for the next punch. These, they had a picture of his bald spot work and that was just, damn man, he's got a bald spot uh anyway he's got a body what can i say but uh, this is what i can say he's got a bald spot and i don't so boom john cena minus one joshua jowson plus one yeah uh i love that pat mcafee came out before the match and, and hopped on color commentary that was really really cool it was in indianapolis the fans popped they loved it he is a really really cool I think that he's great for WWE. He's a character, while he's also not, you know, he's he's his um, podcast. Obviously, you know, obviously his it's his personality magnif- amplified and magnified, but it works. I think he's awesome, um, and he's a worker. He he covered uh, college game day the same day as you know, then flew into India. I forget where they were, Oklahoma or Texas. Flew over to Indy to, to come out for this match. Just really cool, and I, I really love Pat McAfee. I love what he brings to WWE. People pop for him, you know, and that's that's really the point. Um, they they did exactly what they needed to do with this match was to which was to continue to push LA Knight up into the up into the upper stratosphere 
while keeping a good story going with Solo and Jimmy with, with you know, either miscommunication or facial expressions or the fact that they lost. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens with that, especially with uh, Roman coming back to SmackDown this upcoming episode. I assume to build its way over the next month to the next Saudi Arabia Crown Jewel event. Last man standing for the heavyweight championship was the last match standing of the night. Um, last man standing, just so you know, means you can do whatever you want. The opponent, your opponent has to uh, not answer a 10 count. So you have to knock them to the point where they can't stand up after the referee counts to 10. Um, uh, I said during my, my predictions episode that this is a really hard match for the face to lose. This is not a, a heel winning match. With that being said, um, this match was a great way of showing how you can be brutal with shots and violence and hitting and not have intentional blood. No blood was shed. But you saw, and again, no chair shots to the head. Blood, no blood was shed. No chair, chair shots to the head. Two things I never want to see, personally. Um, and they didn't have it. But they sold a physical, dominating, who can, how can you possibly get up after that move match? I loved it. Um, I really think that they made Nakamura look so incredible. Put a pin in the incredible part. Um... They they made Seth look like refused to def to, to, what was what did I say during the predictions a new name for him because I I assumed he was with all the backstory of his of his back being so injured and the whole build was how can he he's not going to be able to withstand the punishment that Nakamura is going to bring to him and his lower back specifically they sort of the whole match Nakamura was focused on it he hit it constantly hitting it um, making moves to hit him in the lower spine back move after back move. At one point, he hit a phenomenal, I think, off the announce table. Um, yep, off the announce table, through a table. Uh, Seth Rollins, double knees through the through a table. I'm mixing that all up and saying it all wrong. Long story short, it was a really cool move. Punishment to Seth. But Seth did not give up. He got suplexed onto the concrete. Seth did not give up. Hitting, getting hit outside of the ring, just tossed around. Nakamura owned him in so many of the power spot big moves. It was really, really awesome. The only part of it is that the feud probably will move on and be be the end of it um, because Seth Rollins did win. Um, the end, the, the the how Shinsuke ended up not meeting the ten count was weak in my opinion. Um, made Nakamura look a little bit silly. He kind of got up, but was wobbly knees. So the, the count kept going, and then he, then he went down, back down at the seven. Um, so he couldn't answer the ten. I, I didn't love that part. Um, I don't love the end result when you look back at the story that was told. Um, they made Seth Rollins into the next Super Cena. Because they gave, again, they gave Seth every reason why it would be okay for him to lose. Even in a last man standing where the face does not lose. He faced enough punishment where Shinsuke could have gone over and it would have made sense. And by no means, there's nothing that can lose Seth. He is unburyable. So there were ways to really sell this, in my opinion, 
to give Seth maybe a break. I'm, I'm sure they want him for Saudi Arabia, but that's a month away. You know, they could have had Shinsuke hold the belt until then. And then Seth come back and say, you know, I'm challenging you at Saudi Arabia. And there you go. You put it back over on him. But, but who am I? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm the armchair booker, baby. And it made sense. And that's what they should have done. Um, so uh, I put a pin earlier, uh, earlier, earlier uh, in regards to Damian Priest. It's a last man standing match. No matter who answers the 10. They have to be beat up to the point that they're not going to be able to stand any more damage. This is the premium time for a Money in the Bank holder to cash in. Hey, Damian Priest, what's up? They very, very wisely, before this match, showed a backstage little thing where he's icing his ankle and everybody's saying, stay. the Judgment Day members are saying, no, 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 you can't do this, stay down. He stands up hobbly and says, it's a last man standing match. I'm doing this. And he goes, you know, goes to make his move out to the ring. Again, this is before the match even started. They all hold him back, said, not tonight. It's not going to help. You know, the ankle, blah, blah, blah. What if you don't win because you're hurt? Uh, Rhea takes the, the briefcase and says, I'm going to hold on to this. You get rest. At that moment, I thought that she was going to find a way to give it to, to Dirty Dom. And he was going to cash in, win or lose. Um... I'm glad that they didn't do that, and there was no cash-in. They, they are holding out on it. I'm curious as to what they're waiting for. I'm curious if they're actually going to bite the bullet. Maybe that's why Shinsuke didn't win the belt, because it keeps a heel uh, Money in the Bank holder in the you know waiting to cash in on the face, and it makes it more believable if that were to happen. So I do hope that, that, that Damian Priest is able to cash in, but I think it's got to be somewhere in the more recent... Because January to WrestleMania is kind of locked in with who is who, you know, what champ, who is champion of what and where and, and all those things. So, um, I'm curious. I'm curious what they're doing in that regard. But uh, again, this was a phenomenal way to to um, to um, show violence in a way that isn't blood and guts. Um, this is exactly the kind of match that I think pushed up to the line where we can enjoy it and accept it in this new you know world of wrestling entertainment what we typically see in wwe this went up above it a little bit but again didn't need any blood to um to um to sell it to sell the match and the brutality of it uh la knight cody rhodes and seth rollins are on par or if not even a little bit above john cena right now i said it I hold true to it. The re- the the reaction to the crowds, not just the pop when they come out, but the the um the the uh, reaction that is held on to and maintained through an entire match, and the reactions to everything that those three guys do is superb. Um, I love it. I love what we're seeing. I I do think that while I did pick Seth, so I was like two for everything else. Um. While they, you know, uh, I, uh, it's hard. I, I, I wanted Shinsuke to win. Uh, I'm a big fan. I've said it repeatedly, and I will continue to say it. I think this was a perfect opportunity to give him the belt. I thought I said that the last time that they fought, the last PLE. So um, I'm still holding on to that. I do think that this has to be the end of it, um, and Shinsuke is going to have to move on. Who's next for, for Seth? I'm not, I don't know. Uh, I think that some of the faces are kind of tied up with stuff, so... I'm curious, and I'd like to see, I don't know. 
I'd like to see who, who the next is. I'm very excited to see that. All right. That all being said, that's my coverage. That's how I feel about um, Fast Lane. The overall grade, I'd say, would be in that, that B, B-plus range. I was very happy. I was very entertained. I read a, uh, one article that was very negative on the event, and mainly to do, it had to do with uh, the results. Despite the results not going the way I guessed, I still am happy with the overall product that we saw within the event. You know what I mean? Storylines, what storylines develop after the fact, notwithstanding, holding on to just the event itself. I thought it was very, very good. We'll see storyline-wise what comes of it, and that always pushes the grade up, in my opinion. You know, if a good story continues because of what happened at the paper, uh, I'm going to call it the pay-per-view, the, the pay-per-view, then I will bump the grade up. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the point of the pay-per-view for me is to set up the next arc in the story. Let's see if this does that because there's a lot of stories that kind of got shifted because of this event. All right. Um, with that all being said, in my next episode, I will be talking about the, the most recent episode of NXT, star-studded, jam-packed event, all to counter uh, the baseball playoffs, go Phillies, um, Monday Night Football, I have no dogs in that fight. Go Eagles. Uh, so they really are throwing some people out there. John Cena's on the show. Paul Heyman. A whole bunch of others. Rumored Undertaker. This is probably coming. This episode is probably coming out after NXT happens. But uh, I will be covering that as well as whatever else is happening. Big things happening. The big things that are happening in wrestling. Don't forget... Well, I botched that whole last paragraph, and I'm sure you want to hear me do it some more. Go to my YouTube page. Go to uh, uh, our Facebook page, our TikTok, our IG. Like, follow, subscribe, comment, comment, comment. Let me know what's up. I did post uh, who is the better signing, Jade Cargill or Edge. I said Jade Cargill. Got lots of comments to that. If you didn't get the comment there, comment here. Let me know what you think. I will gladly talk about that next episode, why Jay Cardgill is absolutely 100% the bigger, better signing um, between her and Adam Copeland. Uh, okay, so shout out to John Kiernan, as always, my producer, the amazing artist behind my theme, Into the Fire, featuring Mont Easy. Find that on iTunes, as well as John Kiernan's other music. Thanks again. With that being said... John, you know where to throw me right into that fire, baby.